All right, take your Bible and turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, let's begin at verse 50. This is Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. I want to preach to you this morning on the veil of the temple. The veil of the temple. And by way of introduction, I want to say five things. First of all, the context. Jesus Christ has been betrayed by Judas, unjustly arrested, falsely accused by the chief priests, delivered to the Roman government, questioned by Herod and Pilate, scourged, mocked, spit upon, crowned with thorns, beaten and stripped, all by Roman soldiers... And at last, he was crucified. All right, secondly, there are a number of things that happened when Christ was on the cross. You have the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. You have the actions of people while Christ was on the cross. The Bible says that people watched, people talked, the women beheld him. Two thieves were crucified with him. Christ was mocked. Christ was reviled, he was offered vinegar, and soldiers cast lots for his garments. And then there were miracles, darkness in the afternoon, an earthquake, and the graves of the saints being opened, and the veil being rent. Number three, the significance of the text. This text on the rending of the veil of the temple is one of the most significant verses in the Bible. Now, we know every word of God is pure. We know all scriptures given by inspiration of God. But some verses in the Bible are more theologically significant than others. All right, number four, the word behold. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Many times in Matthew's gospel, he tells his readers to behold something. Matthew one twenty three, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Matthew 2.1, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Matthew 6.26, Behold, the fowls of the air. Matthew 9.20, Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years. Matthew 17, 3, Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. And then in Matthew 27, 51, our text, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. 
Now, the last thing I want to say by way of introduction is to give you a little history of this veil. After they came out of Egypt, the Jews were instructed to make a sanctuary where God would dwell among them. The tabernacle had a holy place with a candlestick, table, and showbread. And beyond a veil was the most holy place. It had the Ark of the Covenant containing a pot with manna, Aaron's rod, and the tables of the Ten Commandments. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest entered the most holy place, which is called the Holy of Holies. And he sprinkled the blood of the sin offering on the mercy seat to make an atonement for the congregation of Israel. Now in Solomon's temple, which is 10th century B.C., there was a veil and doors that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. That temple was destroyed and the Ark of the Covenant was taken in 586 B.C. A second temple was built after the Jews returned from 70 years of captivity. And this temple was rebuilt and enlarged by Herod in the first century B.C. and A.D. Remember John chapter 2, verse 20, where the Jews said 40 and 6 years was this temple in building? That's a reference to that temple. The, the most holy place in this temple had a veil like the tabernacle that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. However, the holy of holies was empty in this temple. There are eight significant things about the rending of the veil of the temple and a number of things that I want to say about each one of them. So take your Bible, and first of all, I want you to turn back to Matthew 26.65. Matthew 26.65. Matthew 26.65. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying... He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. The rending of the veil of the temple shows God's great displeasure at the crucifixion of his son. In the Bible, the rending of one's garments was a sign of great distress or mourning or grief. Reuben tore his clothes when he returned to the pit and Joseph wasn't there. Jacob tore his clothes when he thought that uh, Joseph had died. David tore his clothes when he heard that Saul and Jonathan had been killed. Job tore his clothes when he lost everything. Elisha tore his clothes when Elijah was taken up to heaven. Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes when the people of Lystra were going to sacrifice to them, thinking they were gods. The rending of the veil of the temple is a picture of God rending his garments. God dwelt behind the veil between the cherubims over the mercy seat. As the high priest rent his garment, so God rends the veil, which covers the place where he enters into communion with his people. The rending of the veil is God's first response to the crucifixion. It is God's comment on the death of Christ. Why? Because Christ was innocent. He was a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. He did no sin, neither was sin found in his mouth. He once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. That's why God was displeased. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the second thing I want to say about this is found in Romans 5.11. Turn to Romans 5.11. Romans 5, verse 11. Romans 5, 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that everything necessary for man's salvation was done. Notice it says in the text, the atonement, not an atonement, like the priests of the Old Testament continually made on behalf of the people. Jesus Christ made a real sacrifice for sin, not a symbol that pointed forward to something else. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. An atonement is always made by an offending party to an offended party. Our sin was an offense to God. It was such an offense that only the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all could sanctify us. Christ didn't offer blood for himself like the high priest of the Old Testament. He offered himself. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. By means of his self-offering, Christ has done perfectly and in reality for us what the Levitical high priest did imperfectly and figuratively. Notice also that we receive the atonement. We don't make it ourselves. There is nothing we could possibly do to make an atonement for our sin. And we don't supplement the atonement in any way. Not by being baptized, not by doing good works, not by whipping yourself like they do in the Philippines, not by giving to the Salvation Army. The death of Jesus Christ was a substitutionary atonement. It was not an example. It was not a manifestation. It was not a token. It was not a martyrdom, and it was certainly no accident. He gave himself a ransom for all. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for our sins. He bore our sins in his own body. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the third thing I want to say about that is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that God was satisfied by Christ's sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. God has set forth his son to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What this means is that Christ's sacrifice of himself appeased the wrath of God. We know God was satisfied because unlike the high priests who stood daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, Christ only had to make one sacrifice And then he sat down. There were no chairs in the Holy of Holies. The high priests never sat down. Their work was never finished. Christ cried on the cross, it is finished. To add anything to Christ's work is to preach another gospel. According to the Roman Catholic Catechism, the Catholic Mass is a sacrament for our redemption... It transforms the bread and wine into the same body and blood as Christ gave up and poured out. It is the same sacrifice as Calvary. Don't believe me? Get a copy of the Catholic Catechism and look it up. Don't be ignorant your whole life of the largest Christian denomination in the world. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The fourth thing I want to say about that is found in Romans. Turn back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. Romans 5 verse 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that we now have direct access to God. The veil was a sign that man was barred from the presence of God. God is a holy God. Man is a sinful creature. The seraphims around the throne of God cry out, Holy, holy, holy. And holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Man is dead in sin. He's an enemy of God. He's at enmity with God. He's alienated from God. The veil being torn down signifies the removal of every barrier between God and man. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When Christ was on the cross, his arms were outstretched as between God and man. Christians have liberty to enter the presence of God because a way has been prepared for them by the blood of Jesus.
This is called a new and living way in the book of Hebrews. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us, to those that come unto God by him. As the high priest in the Old Testament went through the veil into the Holy of Holies, so the believer goes through Christ, who has entered into heaven, now to appear in the presence of God for us. We may now come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We may now enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. As heaven opened to humanity at Christ's baptism, and he was revealed to be the Son of God, so the holy of holies opened to humanity at Christ's death, and he was revealed to be the Son of God. Remember, remember the centurion in our opening text? Truly, this was the Son of God. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The next thing I want to say about that is found in 1 Peter 2. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, look at verse 5. 1 Peter 2, 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that priests are no longer necessary. A priest acts as a mediator between God and man. He performs religious rites. He administers sacraments, he oversees worship, and he makes sacrificial offerings. Priests are found throughout the history of man. Pagan religions have priests. In the Old Testament, we see that the Egyptians had priests. Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. Moses' father-in-law was the priest of Midian. The false god Baal had priests, we're told in the Old Testament. Moses' brother Aaron and his sons were the first Jewish priests. Their descendants alone made up the Levitical priesthood. In the New Testament, not only are Jewish priests mentioned, but you also have the mention of the pagan priest of Jupiter who was going to make a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. Jesus Christ is now the only legitimate high priest. He's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's consecrated forevermore. He's a minister of the true tabernacle. He is set on the right hand of God. He has an unchangeable priesthood. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Every Christian is now his own priest. This is called the priesthood of of the believer. It's a Baptist distinctive and a crucial doctrine of the Reformation. And there's a reason I distinguish between the two. Individual believers can go directly to God without the aid of an intermediary. Individual believers can and should read and interpret the Bible for themselves without religious officials dictating to them what they have to believe. 
Believer priests are all equal to one another in Christ. In the Bible, there's no clergy and laity. There's no denominational hierarchy. There's no special garments. There's no man with a black shirt and a white collar on backwards. Believer priests offer up spiritual sacrifices. All other priests are false priests. Pagan priests, Buddhist priests, Mormon priests, Orthodox priests, Episcopal priests, and especially Roman Catholic priests. Why do I say that? Well, they're going to tell you to pray to Mary and the saints. They're going to tell you to confess your sins to them. They're going to tell you that in the Mass they transform the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. They're going to tell you you should have your infant baptized. And they're going to tell you the Mass is another sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, in addition to priests, we don't need the help of any man to get to God. We don't need Joseph Smith, the Mormons. We don't need Charles Russell, the JWs. We don't need Ellen G. White, Seventh-day Adventists. We don't need Mary Baker Eddy, Christian Science. All these religions elevate the writings of their leaders to the level of Scripture. And they make these people de facto priests. We don't need any priests. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Let's turn to the Old Testament. The sixth thing I want to say about the veil of the temple is in Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. It's in the Minor Prophets, Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. All right, Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that salvation is all of grace. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. This signifies that God rent the veil. Man didn't tear the veil. And the veil was not rent by the earthquake or natural wear and tear or because it was made of cheap fabric. God rent the veil. The first item the Jews were instructed to make for the tabernacle was the ark with the mercy seat where God dwelt and where the atonement was made. This signifies that salvation begins with God. And also no work was allowed on the day of atonement, further signifying that salvation is entirely of God's grace. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. If you don't believe me, read my book on Calvinism. Calvinism teaches that man is so dead in sin that God has to irresistibly call him and regenerate him against his will before he can exercise faith in Christ. However, all men are not eligible 
Just the elect whom Christ died for. That's, that's the five points of Calvinism in a nutshell. But Calvinists are right in this respect. Salvation from start to finish is all of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is of faith that it might be by grace. Salvation is to him that worketh not, Romans 4, 5. Salvation is not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And I'm also here to tell you that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, not just the elect. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The next thing I want to say about this veil of the temple is found in Galatians 1.13. Turn back to the New Testament to Galatians. Galatians 1, I want you to look at verse 13. All right, Galatians 1.13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that Judaism as a religion has been superseded. Although the Romans destroyed the Jewish temple in 70 A.D., It was Christ himself who passed judgment on Judaism when he tore in half the veil of the temple. The Bible says that the Jews killed the Lord Jesus like they killed their own prophets, that they please not God, and that the wrath of God has come upon them to the uttermost. Christianity is now the only true religion. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Jews as a nation are still God's chosen people, but individual Jews must come to God through Jesus Christ to be saved, including Ben Shapiro. What did Jews think of Christ? They say he was not the Messiah that he was not the Son of God, that he was not virgin-born, that he was not the Savior, that he was not the atonement for sin. Then as now, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. When God rent the veil of the temple, he also broke down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. He reconciled both unto God in one body by the cross. He abolished the enmity between them, and he made in himself of twain one new man, which is the church, the body of Christ. From henceforth, the world was no longer divided into Jew and Gentile, but Jews, Gentiles, and the church of God. Gentiles now have the benefits that previously only Jews had. 
the rending of the veil of the temple makes it clear that we don't have to go to a place or a building to worship God. The Jews were required to bring all their sacrifices to Jerusalem. Daniel prayed toward Jerusalem. The Samaritan woman at the well who talked with Jesus said that he and the Jews maintained that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus told the woman at the well, the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God no longer dwells in buildings. He dwells in us through his spirit. Some churches put a great emphasis on the church building. They refer to the church building as the house of God. They call it the sanctuary. They have expensive stained glass windows. They're uh, ornately uh, decorated. If you've ever been to Europe and seen the European cathedrals, there is nothing inherently holy about a church building. Although the Jewish religion has been superseded, some religions copy the practices of Judaism. Seventh-day Adventist, no pork, worship on Saturday. Roman Catholics, ceremonies, rituals, priests, altars, holy days. Islam, no pork, pray toward Mecca. Mormons, They have a temple in Salt Lake City with a holy of holies in the temple. So some religions copy the practices of Judaism. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And there's one more thing I want to say about that. And it's found in Romans chapter 6. Turn back to Romans chapter 6 and look at verse 14. Romans 6, verse 14. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that the law has been abrogated. John 1, 17. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Christ fulfilled the demands of the law. He is the end of the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He blotted out, took away, and nailed to his cross the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. A man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. The death of Christ made the law's sacrificial system obsolete. No more animal sacrifices. No more sprinkling of blood. No more meat and drink offerings. No more incense, holy oil, burning lamps, priests, and vestments. Yet, after the veil was rent, these things continued for another 40 years until the Jewish temple was destroyed by Titus in 70 AD. Likewise, even though Christ made an atonement and died on the cross for sin, men will continue practicing their religion until they die, hoping that they've done enough. 
Did the Jews just make another temple veil and continue on like nothing happened? I assume that they did. And likewise, men just keep patching up the filthy rags of their self-righteousness and continuing with their religious rituals in spite of what Christ did on the cross. And the Jews to this day continue to celebrate Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. But but it is a bloodless Yom Kippur. Beware of any group of Christians who want to put you back under the law in any way. Beware of Christian Reconstructionism, which is also called Dominion Theology or Theonomy. And that's the teaching that the Old Testament law is for Christian sanctification and the government should enforce it. Beware of covenant theology, which says that New Testament baptism has replaced Old Testament circumcision. Therefore, we should baptize babies. Beware of Seventh-day Adventism, which says that Christians should worship on the Sabbath and follow the law's dietary provisions. Beware of any Christian who says you shouldn't eat pork. All meat is kosher. I love bacon. Let me tell you something that happened the other day when I was in Subway. A Muslim woman was behind me, six feet of course, because they make you space out. And she had the head covering, you know, not just the face, the whole head. And she made the guy making the subs get a, get a brand new knife that had just been washed because she was afraid the knife he was using may have touched a pork product. So beware of any Christian or anyone else who says you shouldn't eat pork. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. We are dead to the law. Christians are under the law of Christ. The New Testament is our rule of faith. Now, if you think that means we can just live any way we want to live, then you haven't read the New Testament. That's another message altogether, though. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. In conclusion, I want to say this. The the rending of the veil of the temple shows God's great displeasure at the crucifixion of his son. Do you realize that it was for your sins he was crucified? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that everything necessary for man's salvation was done. Have you received the atonement? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that God was satisfied by Christ's sacrifice. Are you? Or do you think you need to add something to it? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us we now have direct access to God. Do you avail yourself of this access? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that priests are no longer necessary. Do you confess your sins to a priest? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that salvation is all of grace. Do you think that your works have some part in your salvation or your eternal security? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that Judaism as a religion has been superseded. 
Do you believe in the exclusiveness of Christianity? The rending of the veil of the temple shows us that the law has been abrogated. Do you put or let others intimidate you into putting yourselves under some aspect of the law? Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Pastor Alter, you can close out the service.